Welcome to episode 241, I think, of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg here with Courtney Nguyen here in Brisbane. Courtney, hello. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Brisbane just set all sorts of ladies on fire. Uh, that's, <laughs> we just saw a portrait of a lady on fire uh, the Sunday evening after the tournament ended. That was not a great joke or segue or anything, but I said it, so we're keeping it. Uh, <laughs> it's late. and it's kind of the, <laughs> the ethos of the podcast. I said it, so we're keeping it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh it's late in the night, early in the tennis season, and it was a very good early week. I, I, we were, yeah. I mean, I was mentioning before my sort of f- feeling that January tennis is pretty good all the time. Players, I was mentioning that offline, uh, players come in rested, healthy, happy. They don't forget to how to play tennis, and the tennis ones are being pretty high caliber. And I think in the WTA Brisbane International that we just sat and watched, I think that definitely held up. I think the tennis was super high level. Uh, the final wound up being Carolina Pliskova winning over Madison Keys. With two great semifinals before that, with Keys beating Petra Kvitova and Pliskova saving a match point and beating Naomi Osaka, uh, three of the four semifinalists from the Australian Open last year. So, are not a, not even obviously hearing those names, you don't think it's a fluky group, but well, still not a fluky group. Daniel Collins, who was the other semifinalist, played Madison Keys in the quarters. So, yeah. I mean, it was across the board. You know, Serena making a final in Auckland. I mean, everybody. It, it was interesting to see the players who really did perform well in Australia last year, kind of pick things up uh, again once they came down to this part of the the globe this year. So what do you think we sort of learned from this tournament from the WTA perspective? Uh, we'll start with just Brisbane, and we'll get to Serena in a bit. Uh, but Pliskova wins this tournament for third time in four, th- four years, has a tougher draw, as she admitted, than she has in her past runs here to the title. Um, but she looked very solid. I mean, I, don't, I think all four semifinals, honestly, those semifinals felt close enough to be kind of coin flippy and yeah. so i feel like as much as pliskova is the one with the trophy i feel like all four of them made pretty great statements this week yeah no i definitely agree with that i think that again the level in brisbane was was i was surprised i mean i've, I've obviously covered this event you know four straight years four or five straight years and there have been times where you know even though in the end uh you know it wasn't fluky who was necessarily holding the trophy but throughout the week, there'd be some messy matches, some, you know, just kind of... Surprise finalists. Surprise finalists. Um, you know, draw breaking apart a little bit and, and a top player kind of emerging with the title. And I really didn't feel like that was the case this year, which was kind of surprising because it was probably one of the deepest um, WTA draws in Brisbane in its, in its history since 2009. Six of the top 10, 13 of the top 20 you had an unseated first round match between Kerber and Stoser. Yeah. I mean, like that just sets the tone for this tournament. Yeah. How loaded it is. And it was a great match. I really mean, good match. you know, and, and so I felt as though all the players who kind of made it through the draw, they they all really they 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 shined. They 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 took an opportunity to kind of show like I'm sharp, you know. And um, I haven't always seen that in Brisbane. I've seen a lot of rust in Brisbane early in the okay, week. Okay, interesting. And I just didn't really see that at all here. So I I was really um, surprised by that. Um, and obviously pleasantly so. And then once we got into the, the semifinals, yeah, I mean, both of those matches, I mean, the, the three final matches of the tournament, the two semis and the final, felt like they could be, grand, they, they felt Grand Slam finally. They felt like they were dis, they were decided by really, truly a handful of points. And um, so, so, yeah, and it was great. And I think that the biggest thing that I take away out of Brisbane is just that the players that 
I would expect to do well in Australia are playing well. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it's at. I mean, I mean, Carolina doing exactly what she's always done, which is obviously win Brisbane, but also, <laughs> um, you know, just play sharp, play well, really confident, um, very, very sharp. Um, Naomi, I thought was really sharp. And we were talking about this a little bit over dinner that in a lot of ways, it felt as though she had the most impressive tournament, I or, think so. like, not impressive tournament, but her performance level third set aside where I think she ran out of gas um, a little bit mentally and physically after having the match point it's having, a big yeah. letdown understandable the letdown but but outside of that I mean you know to come through not an easy draw you know had to beat Kenan uh, in three sets you know had to come through against Pliskova um, yeah it was it was a really good really good performance from her beat Sakari so that was impressive and then Petra I thought played fantastic um, throughout the tournament and um, you know wasn't wasn't feeling great um, in the semifinal but still played you know still was up a set and a break on on keys maddie i mean she would probably be second on my list of like most impressive tournaments because she's never done this before yeah in terms of playing well in the first week normally she plays pretty poorly in in her first tournaments of the season um and then kind of pulls it together at ao so that bodes well for her so i guess coming out of it you're talking about in my opinion Probably among, well, I mean, obviously Svitolina's in the mix as well, but in terms of like the best players that haven't won a slam yet, I mean, it that list is kind of the, is kind of keys Pliskova and then Svitolina, right? In terms of, I mean, maybe people can argue about Alina, but, but it kind of given mm. their reputations having made major finals before um, and just their firepower and stuff like that, that it's kind of keys Pliskova active that haven't so. i think i was thinking today that i think pliskova with this title i realize this is a medium level title it's a premier mm-hmm. event but uh medium within the scope of wta main tour but it's a loaded one i think pliskova is without a doubt the best player not to have won a slam yet. yeah maybe. i think i think that she's like i think just from she passes both like the resume test and the eye test for but me that, but yeah no i can i can see that but it, this is off the top of my head right now but don't they aren't they pretty close in terms of um, like slam semis, you mean? Well, slam semis and, and slam finals. Both have made one uh, final, and then semis. You're talking about you're, we're comparing Pliskova and Keys yeah, to be clear. Yeah, yeah. I think that Pliskova has had a much higher career ranking. She's been number one, of course, and also spent a lot more time like top four. I don't think oh, she's ever much been, more consistent. I, I don't mean, think Maddie's ever been top five in rankings. That's probably true. So I mean, I just think yeah, for me, no, Pliskova no, no, checks totally fair. Boxes. I'm just I just think it's, it's but you're it's right. A but but Keys Keith has had a lot of slam runs. Yes. Has, so if that's the thing you value most. Yeah, that, that's also true. Um, although Pliskova did come closer in her one slam final than Maddie came in her slam final, both back-to-back U.S. Open years. Um, yeah. So, anyway. I think they've made the same number of mandatory finals as well. But anyways. Anyhow. Maybe no, neither, that's not right. Neither that's has won right. a mandatory. No. Yeah, Carolina although, had her shot in, in Miami uh, last year. And I, I, I'm wrong because Maddie made the final in, um, in um, I'm thinking, Rome. Although maybe she in Beijing. Anyways. Uh, did she make a Canada final at some point? That's a five. Yeah, okay. But so is Rome. That's why I was saying. Okay. That's yeah, why I was yeah, saying yeah. I was wrong. But okay. I, I think maybe Beijing. But anyway, sorry. Anyhow, just... I don't think she has. Anyway, yeah. all good players. <laughs> Very good players who played really well in Brisbane. You mentioned Alina, which gets me to one of the sort of the yeah. honorable mention, which gets me to her. Yeah. That was one of the most shocking results of the tournament. Uh, was Alina Svitolina getting railroaded by Daniel Collins to beat her one and one? Daniel Collins comes out and backs up that performance with a six two six zero win in the next round. Over, I'm blanking who she beat in the second round. Um, somebody good. It was somebody good. Why am I blanking? Uh, Collins beat in the second round. Oh, Tinsiva. No, uh, yeah, Sput- 
And then she comes back in the second round and beats Yulia Putinseva, uh, six one six zero, and like that's Putinseva is not a player who gets like is it was such a you know fierce competitor that you just don't see her getting blown out that much. But Collins was like peaking man, and it was shades of what she did in Melbourne last year sometimes. So she's also renounced herself as somebody to keep an eye on. And then you know across the um, Tasman Sea, I think whatever the body of water is between here and and. Uh, and New Zealand, similar kind of thing with Anisimova making semifinal with Pagula having a great run to the final Jen there. Brady back in Jim Bra- yes, Jim Brady's one to mention in Brisbane too. Jim Brady had an amazing week beating uh, Sharapova in the first round and then in the third set tiebreak and then beating uh, top seed Ash Barty in straights, which, which match that really seemed to stun the locals that Brady, uh, Barty, excuse me, lost first match with her really being the face of tennis in sure. Australia and the world at being number one, and but especially Cleveland. this is her home tournament. She's from Ipswich, which is right sort of down the road from Brisbane. Um, yeah, I mean, any other sort of wild cards from here or from uh, Auckland? Probably not Shenzhen that uh, yeah, I've, stood I've, out to you? Well, I mean, uh, as we we check them off, you know, name by name, but I mean, amazing week one for American women's tennis. Yeah. I mean, across the board, you know, and uh, not the men, by the way, Taylor Townsend and Azia Muhammad taking the doubles title, uh, over in, uh, in Auckland. Uh, yeah. Maddie making the final, uh, obviously Serena winning in Auckland. It was Allison just, Risk. Allison quarters. Risk. Yeah. Allie very Risk. strong week for her. Very good. Very good week for Allie. So that's, that's a good amount of momentum for, for team America as they, they kind of head to, to Melbourne in a little bit. And, you know, this week, upcoming week in Auckland, a big opportunity for Sloane Stevens to kind of, you know, kind of get her engine going, um, you know, during a swing that has is, is typically been been pretty good for her and obviously these courts. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that she's probably, you know, Kennan kind of ran into Osaka, but took her to three. So really, it, it's probably Sloane is kind of the 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 one that maybe underperformed um, losing to um, a Samsonova uh, qualifier, yeah. big hitting uh, qualifier. Um, in the first round in Brisbane. Wonderfully wonderful to have a big hitter named Samsonova. Who put... speaks Italian. Wow. Her coach is Italian. And we're watching the encore coaching. I'm like, oh, they're just speaking Italian back to each other. I I was impressed. It was yeah. impressive. Nice. Yeah. Ciao, Ludmilla. Uh, it's like Sveta doing coaching timeouts in Spanish. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, love a cosmopolitan Russian. <laughs> and now Pavel Yuchenko does hers in French. Yes, and exactly. with Sam Simic. Yeah, that's true. In that new pairing. So we love, we stand a polyglot. Uh, <laughs> Serena Williams, also a polyglot in her own way, uh, is back in the winner's circle for the first time in three years since winning the 2017 Australian Open uh, and going on maternity leave shortly after. She comes back, and after losing in five finals on, since returning from maternity leave, she wins in Auckland, making it through a draw that was relatively open, it must be said, but still taking advantage of it. And I think we were talking earlier this evening. What most impressed me about the win over Jesse Pagula today, who's a Washington champion, is a good, solid player, and played really well in Auckland, as she said. Caroline Wozniacki. Caroline, Bagel Caroline Wozniacki in her penultimate tournament in the semifinals in Auckland and also um, just and played really sharp against Serena too. She played a good final and I think what most impressed us or me at least and you can agree or disagree with this is that Serena got down early in that match and had every chance to panic early down to break 2-0 like very early. And four break points. And four break points to go down three, oh, double break 3-0. But she steeled herself, hung in there, and battled. And that's something that we have not really seen from her, honestly, in her... Um, we have seen her get down in early deficits. The five finals she played since her maternity leave, she got broken, I believe, in the first, believe, in the first or second least, yeah. service game of hers every time. It's been a really bad starter, but this time she overcame that bad start. And hoping for her sake that that 
that exercises some demons just to to win a final to lift a trophy again to get that monkey off her back a little bit yeah to get that winning feeling right i mean the operating theory for a while i think amongst the punditry has been that you know that, that she hadn't won a title and and that that was why she was getting you know on whatever level and auckland is an international level tournament as ben said and you know playing a number two number 82 player in the world in the final mm. and jesse pagula very good and jesse pagula was great but you know but it doesn't really matter like you know you have all these kind of potential caveats or asterisks around her 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 title but honestly it's the fact that she turned it around it's the fact that pagula really was vexing her for the first three games of that match and you know and, and it really did look like serena was going to get broken to go down a double break at three uh, love three and um she stepped up she you know she got loud she refused to basically allow herself to be broken and and found that little extra thing and, and that's really where you know maybe she takes that as a lesson going into melbourne that you know this idea of kind of uh you know trying to keep it cool right like oh i'm not panicking because you know i'm serena like whatever i i know i can come back from any deficit here it just it seemed like she was like oh no we are not doing that and that was really really great to see and she was getting fired up in the third game of super that fired up yeah. super fired up and and i remember you know uh from her u.s open fi- uh final press conference her very very candid and i thought maybe the best press conference she's given in terms of her tennis um since she's been back but kind of just basically saying like look like i need to figure out what the heck is going on here this is not okay this is you know this is not okay i'm not happy with what's happening here so you know the biggest question is is okay now we see you again like what happens and yeah so her turning that match around and you know, holding holding Jesse off was was really big, and and hopefully that unlocks something for her. Um, you know, in in Melbourne, I still think and I'm saying this too that the bar I think that the women, the fish, especially the four semifinalists in Brisbane set, I think is higher than the tennis that Serena showed uh, at this moment. I don't think that because she wins this, she suddenly and she is. I think I believe she is the odds makers favorite to win the Australian. But now I think she's been the odds makers favorite pretty much every slam she's entered for pretty much for always. Maybe in the last year's, against history. last year's French Open, I think they were rightly like, uh, I don't think this is Serena's, <laughs> which was correct. Um, but uh, in general, yeah, she has still that faith. And it. it's going to be interesting to see. I think she'll get a big celebration moment from this. I mean, we finally got, she finally got rather, and the world finally got what it was looking for, which is the picture of Serena holding a trophy and holding Olympia yeah, in the other arm. Exactly. Like that's like the kind of Kim Clijsters moment, the Murphy Brown moment that, you know, every, that every, all players are, are hoping for and that sort of the, you know, the dream scenario. And, the world I hope back home of like just general, very, very casual non tennis fans being like, Look, she won a title as a mom, like, great, awesome. Like, she deserves that. Yes. That's been like and she yes. that she hasn't gotten right across that line yet in her previous three years or not three years, it hasn't been back that long, but in her previous two years, mm-hmm. uh, is disappointing. And now that she's kinda checked that box, I really do hope that it's a more important symbolic yeah. win and mental win than just Auckland, which as Tumani Carroll pointed out on Twitter of the 73 titles Serena has won, this is only the second one that's at like international or previously tier, tier three, tier four level. Like they've all been big titles. She has not gone down to win a title much at all in her career. I think the only one was Bostad before. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the big things as well in terms of the collateral benefit of what she did in Auckland is she's now a top eight seed yes. in the Australian Open. And that is significant because at this point, you know, we, I think that given what's happened to her at the majors the last two years um it's the idea that maybe existed pre 2017 of 
doesn't matter what ranking she is, doesn't matter whatever, wherever Serena's in the draw, she can beat everybody. So the ranking actually doesn't matter. The seeding doesn't really matter. At this point, I think that in order to, I mean, any every every little bit helps. <laughs> so Cannot so hurt. you know, being there's a huge difference for her being the eighth seed as opposed to being the ninth seed. Yeah. In terms of who she could potentially play, especially given as you said in Brisbane, the quality of tennis that those women were producing was outstanding. And at least in this situation, maybe she doesn't have to play like three of them. Not that there aren't tough players in ninth or twelve in the WTA. For sure, one hundred percent. No, I think I think Keys is in there. Yep. I mean, Keys never beaten Serena, but that'd be not a match I would. They, they'll be in to. the same seating bracket. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll see. I mean, I think that. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about the draw when it comes out in a few days, and break it down more from there. But Serena, at the same time, has made it's incredible. I keep repeating it. She has made four finals in the last six Grand Slams. So as much as she's like feels like she's just not quite there, yeah. she's also been there constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just she's really close. It's a matter of closing, and she's in there with a shot. I think yep. you have to say in this moment, and you can't underestimate her. You can't pick, almost no one pick, ever picks against her in a given match, yep. right? Like all the I remember I was saying to you before that match that I did think Andreescu was going to beat her. But otherwise, I was like, I was sure she was going to beat Halep that day. Oh, yeah, everybody was. Yeah. But that's the thing is that, you know, but it's it's a combination of factors, right? It's like she's made the four slam finals and, which is great, and she lost to, I think, Andrescu maybe is the outlier to what I'm about to say, which, but for the most part, she lost to people who, like, peaked in that match. Like, that was a great Kerber. That was a great Osaka. That was an outstanding Halep. Bianca was kind of standard Bianca. So that's really a little bit, but that's also kind of the myth of Bianca Andrescu, who unfortunately is not going to be a Melbourne. Part of the reason Serena's number eight is because because Bianca has pulled out. Not a surprise. People who've been following her, we've been sort of whispering about that last couple of weeks. Like, hey, have you no evidence that she's been hitting or anything like that on social media? Always always a bit of a red flag when you go to people's social media and you're like, have you been swinging a racket? Not clear, especially like preseason. Players are always yeah. keen to show off all the work that they're doing, you know. So unfortunately, the snake bit career injury-wise of Andrescu continues. Hopefully, she gets healthy and ready to go um, whenever she's ready. Maybe ideally to defend her Indian Wells title or something like that. Uh, but it's disappointing because she was the story in a lot of ways of 2019 on the tour and the breakout star for sure. Mm-hmm. And getting all the way top five from being outside top hundred is incredible. Um, and playing and, half a season. Yeah, completely. I mean, missing two, completely missing two swings. And just how rare it was for her to lose. Like, I remember when Osaka finally beat her in Beijing. It's like, wow, I like I don't know that I've seen her lose ever. And we saw it happen twice. Yeah. There you go. There in Halep. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, but I think that we all agree that we want to see a healthy Bianca Andreescu play tennis. And we know that there's a very long career ahead of her. And a very promising one, obviously. So, disappointing for the tournament, but... You know, in the long run, I'm glad that she didn't, like, fly down here with an iffy knee just to play the AO. Like, you know, like like last year with the French. Like, she wasn't really primed to play that tournament, and she went and played, and probably shouldn't have played Miami, you know, after winning Indian Wells. So Definitely should not have taken the court against Contava in that match she retired in in Miami. Yeah. And she was pretty physically compromised at the the Australian Open after what she did in Auckland and stuff like that and having to play through qualifying. So... Um, you know, rest up, Bianca. We'll we'll be here. The tour will be here when you come back. It's not going anywhere. And yeah. what else? I don't know if this is going anywhere or not, but ATP Cup uh, is the other event of the week. Just ended uh, just a bit before we finished recording. They finally ended past 1 a.m. in Sydney on Monday morning in Sydney, I guess now. Uh, the ATP Cup finished with Serbia, Team Serbia, winning over Team Spain. 
in the final. Uh, Djokovic beat Nadal. Djokovic went undefeated in his singles and doubles matches, led Serbia to a victory. The crowds were so pro-Serbian in every match. Um, quick compliment to get out of the way before I forget it. One of the, I think, really good things about this event, ATP Cup, especially in the group stages, is it did something which tennis tournaments usually cannot figure out how to do, which is, because it's round robin and scheduled, fans could know who was playing in advance. And so Serbian fans can go buy tickets weeks, months in advance to go to the Serbia session. To group sessions. To group sessions, right, yeah, exactly. Group sessions. Which and and maybe they could have seen who was gonna which group winner if, if like they could have picked winner of group A or whatever Serbia yeah, was. It's in. like World Cup. Yeah, exactly. So like but that's rare in tennis where yeah. fans can know more than forty eight hours in advance who's gonna be playing in a given session. Um so that was really positive, I think. And the Serbia atmospheres in Brisbane were more lit than the Australia atmospheres were. They, Serbia really had like the passion, the Davis Cup energy that no other team quite brought. I don't think Australia had that. I mean, Australia, when I was out there watching their first tie, which was against uh, Germany, I was chatting with Doris Henkel, who had been, was a German tennis reporter, and she had been at a Germany-Australia Davis Cup tie in Brisbane a couple years ago, and she was like, that's just not like that. I mean, it's just, mm. and it was granted it was the first match. Maybe they got more into it as the tournament went on. But like the thing with ATP Cup, which I still don't know now that it's over, is the stakes were very unclear. Um, I, did, I did a show with Kantan Moine and uh, Courtney Walsh about this also. Just like, wasn't clear what it meant, which to me means it's sort of hard to invest in it. It's clear the players get excited about it. By the end, certainly, and Djokovic and the Serbs seem very, very happy to win it. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm still like, still not entirely, it's over now. I'm still, I don't think I'll know. I'll, I'll have a better sense, I know, after the Australian Open just on how it was as preparation for the Australian Open, because all for all I know, these players are fried in this super emotional start to the season, coming off of the super emotional end to last season. I don't know. Courtney, what did, what did you make of, of, well, of this tournament? I mean, just... I threw a lot of stuff out there, but... Sure, yeah, no. But my question to you is, though, why do you feel that way about ATP Cup in terms of stakes and what are they playing for? And yes, the players seem to be very invested, but I don't know how I feel about it how do you square that up with kind of how people feel about labor cup because labor cup i remember when the first labor cup happened mm -hmm. and the second labor cup happened and i've been very like i roll my eyes because i'm like this means literally nothing I and then i get people telling me they care so much and it's like oh that does that imbue it with meaning does that mean that it means something the thing with atp cup that i don't think labor cup has is atp cup slogan is like for love of country and so there's this nationalist patriotic bent to it or lens that they try to sure. put on it, which to me means like playing for your country. But it's which also automatically means something. Right. Definitely more As than, opposed definitely to more than for playing world. for world <laughs> or for Europe. Um, uh, so that's partially that. But I think that, yeah, that, but it wasn't totally a national team competition because it wasn't the federations involved they couldn't they were not allowed to have france notably was not allowed to have the word france on the back of their kits because okay, that's like that's an itf thing i don't know but those are like that's like a weird a is detail it, is it a national team competition when um you know when like serbia doesn't have its third and fourth best players there because that they're off playing doha or something and well, crying because, and that, because those are the rules but the, I, mean, I think it's a national i don't know i feel like it's a national team competition the minute that you have to slap a flag on your 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 thing and when you win it's like you know yeah, advantage at the beginning advantage yeah. team serbia like i mean you yeah. know like i think that that's and i i say all this just only because i'm just trying to this isn't like my defense of atp cup in any way once but like i'm trying to square it up with what i hear about 
like team competitions like why is it yeah i don't know like people defend like labor cup left and right i'm like okay that's fine like you can like i enjoyed atp cup like i enjoyed watching it i my sense has always been that we can you know we do have to talk about the details we do have to talk about the collateral effects we do have to talk about the politics and the structuring and all these sorts of things but tennis the beauty of this sport is that once the first serve is struck it's just about the tennis and no matter what the format no matter whatever if it's two players you get invested in it yeah you you care and it's just fun because i just like watching tennis so i don't really care that like you know zverev and nick are playing in some fake competition i just want to see him play i don't really care that it's fake if and steph is playing nick that's just awesome yeah like right so tennis is awesome in that way insofar as like you know we have our built-in rivalries and so I don't care what it says on the back of their shirts. I know that those two guys want to beat each other so badly, irregardless of anything else, then it's compelling. And I think that happens in Labor Cup a little bit because some of the matchups, you know, you're just like, oh, I just want to see these two guys play, you know? And Labor Cup seems fun in a way that, like, this one, I don't know. That's just marketing? Labor Cup, Labor Cup, the mo- no, I've never seen any, almost never, okay. The other thing with ATP Cup is that ATP Cup as we talked well, about many times. Well, it doesn't mean anything. Right, exactly. Wait, yes. Right? It's, yeah, so Labor Cup in, on this scale feels like more an exib- of an exhibition or like low stakes is there's no countries involved, right? right? There's no national pride. No one cares about winning for world. There's money. Right, there's money and like, and competitiveness. This is, I started to try to tell the story before we started, but there was an interview I read like months after the show ended with this woman named Jess who was the C- who was the winner. I believe her name was Jess who was the winner of the first season of VH1's reality show Rock of Love, which was a spinoff of Flavor of Love, which is a spinoff of Strange Love, spinoff of Surreal Life. Who was Rock of Love? Was that Brett Michaels? Brett Michaels okay. of Poison, yeah. right. Um, Jess on, and I think Hoops, who won the first season of Flavor of Love, probably said things that were similar. Um, one of the highlights of my life was meeting Hoops at the Detroit airport. Have you ever told you that story? No, you have not. Oh my gosh. So I was at the Detroit airport coming home for like Thanksgiving <laughs> break for, for from college in Michigan. And Hoops was going through security at the same time as me. And I got so excited. And so I like pulled my camera out of my bag and I knew her real name. I was like, hey, can I get a photo with you? And for years, it was my tw- my Facebook photo was me and Hoops. I was so excited. I feel like the audience for that story, V small. And, v, ex- and v excited to hear that I met Hoops. I'm sure they're all really jealous. I'll, post- I'll try to find that photo and post it. Um, yeah, Hoops was great. But anyway, Jess on Rock of Love said... This was like such a stupid thing. And maybe Hoops said this. I forget which one of them actually was. I'm going to conflate both of them. This is both like dopey. They're not actually interested in like romantically in this guy, whether it's uh, Flavor Flav or Brett Michaels of Poison. But once you're in there, like you just get competitive. Like once you're in there, you're like, I don't even know what I'm fighting for, but I'm in this. I don't want to lose. Which is the which spectacle. Is, which is the spectacle. Which is the spectacle and that's, that is super fun to watch, but it yeah. still doesn't answer the question of like... What does it mean? So what? Yeah, and that's what ATP Cup is a little sure. bit to me. Like okay. once you get yeah. the boys on the court and put national flags on it, they will be like, oh, their adrenaline will get up. And the, and, the, and this is what did yeah. not happen in Labor Cup. It did happen. We can talk about this side of it too. There was a lot of misbehavior from some boys in this tournament. Like some weird defaultable misbehavior from several like top players, whether it's... <laughs> Stefano Tsitsipas, like, abusing his father Drawing with his blood. racket, like, bruising. That was, like, a – that was – that looked – that was abuse. <laughs> and un- unintentional, to be clear, but definitely caused injury, could have been defaultable, would have been a totally fair default. Uh, Muhammad Leani in the chair was not someone who normally intervenes and does things like that. Oh, he intervenes. There was another – there was another – there was another <laughs> incident um, where Daniel Medvedev was uh, getting angry at something that Schwartzman hadn't gotten a warning and started – 
like whacking the the chair umpire's chair with his racket pointedly, uh, pointedly like it wasn't angrily and like violently. Yeah, it was an aggressive. It was aggro. It was aggro. I was surprised. And like very near the chair umpire's hand. The chair umpire in this case was Muhammad Layani. Like he's not going to get hurt, but it, it's the intention yeah. of the of the. It's an intentionally like disrespectful, like. It was threatening. Action. It was threatening. It was yeah. yeah. It was way more threatening than some things that I've seen be threatening. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that one's also bad. And like, and you know, Zverev having all kinds of meltdowns in this turn. Nothing violent, but also apparently just like shouting or being. I didn't hear this part, but I heard secondhand that like he's being derisive towards his box or his father during matches and stuff. And played some really terrible tennis in this week by his standards for sure, hitting umpteen double falls i do not believe by the way he's responded yet to Belinda bencic and her yeah, pledge so, and it's that it, it's why Can you explain what this was so Belinda bencic the 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 charitable soul that she is but also in, incredibly self-deprecating had kind of a perfect tweet of saying that like look i would love to donate for to the bushfire relief for aces but i don't actually hit that many aces so i'm going to donate for every double fault that i hit um, and for what it's worth, she was number four on double faults last year on the tour. Um, and she tagged Alex Zverev into the tweet and said, Alex Zverev, will you join me? And like, that is peak he, trolling. He hit a lot of double faults. He hit, he there hit were a lot of double faults. Ones, man. And, and honestly, like, it's so much worse when you see someone who's six foot six hitting these double faults. Like, because, it doesn't like, make sense. His it, angles are so easy. Yeah, you just hitting it down. But no, but I, I think that the, the interesting thing about the Benchich tweet was it gives Sasha, it, it's so, it basically, like, um, however, Sa- it's set up so that however Sasha responds is, like, very telling. So, like, either he is also embraces, like, the haha yeah, I hit a shit ton of double faults, and, like, let's laugh about it, like, in the same vein as Belinda, which is actually kind of the smart PR move on it, and actually if he did do that, maybe would just kind of, like, diffuse some of like the pressure and kind of the negativity around it all and be like, yeah, I don't know, man, I got the yips right now. Like, you know, and just shrug and laugh about it or like what he's doing, which is like dead silence. And it, which is also telling cause it's like, okay. So <laughs> like, you're just going to be quiet about it. Okay. Like maybe, maybe if I don't say anything, nobody will notice that I hit like a crap ton of double faults. But... Speaking of the, the aces for charity, this was an interesting week in for curious watching because <laughs> because curious was the first athlete who came up and stepped up and had the whole i'll pledge tennis player. tennis player was he the first not was he not first athlete also well do you are you sure about that the stories that i heard was like curious led and everyone else followed maybe i'm wrong about that maybe someone else was first well, I, i'm just saying that i okay. know for a fact that he was definitely the first, first tennis, tennis player, player. i believe like he it. also he was given credit for a lot of athletes have to follow i'm not sure he deserves all the credit but he got a lot of credit and the it was getting this like rare wave of like positive publicity in Australian media. And a lot of people being like, wow, this is like the Nick that, you know, we've always want, or like, he's finally a good guy. And like, I don't know, like Nick, for people who've obviously, if you've heard NCR with Nick, you know, Nick is a complicated guy who has a lot of good and a lot of unfortunate things going on at any given time. And simultaneously sometimes too. But, um, just encore he was like with all these boys with emotions nick who's on probation <laughs> um had, was on the best behavior he's been in a long time and uh honestly australia lost in the semifinals probably because they didn't let him play at all because he was playing pretty good pretty good ball too so. yeah no nick was nick was uh best behavior played some great tennis i think that hopefully that bodes well for him in melbourne um because it would be a, an amazing stage for him to 
you know, kind of uh, ride the wave of kind of goodwill that he's kind of built up in the last couple of weeks in terms of both his play and, and the things that he said. He got quite emotional in a post-match interview talking about the the fires and, and the um, toxic air in Canberra. Um, and, um, yeah, and he's followed on. He's, he's, I think he tweeted out another thing about, um, trying to get money for, um, wildlife support as well. So he's, he's continuing it and rallying the troops. And, you know, one of the things too, that it, it, it does bear pointing out with respect to him being the first tennis player to kind of rally the troops and everything is that, um, cause I was talking to a few players about it today, uh, not today, but this week in Brisbane about like how I mean it's not universal obviously and we can know why but like for the most part he's incredibly well liked and he's actually pretty well liked on the WTA tour yeah like the girls really just think he's funny and just like they're entertained by him and you know stuff like that so um you know I think that him being the guy to kind of like step out and say hey you know like it actually resonated with especially a lot of the younger players you saw a lot of like younger players you know um uh trying to get involved like immediately and stuff like that which was pretty cool so you know good on him and um and yeah i mean probation suits him because he's playing really well he's the only one this is sort of goes to the unknowable parts of atp cup i think but he's the only one of the guys who i like have a very and Djokovic, i guess obviously was very solid this week too but he's the he's the main but also i don't know if Djokovic wore himself out nick is the one person this tournament who i really feel like wow like your stock goes up before yeah, Melbourne. Yeah. And everyone else, like, because ATP Cup is just different enough, it's like, I don't know. What that means. I don't know how, yeah. what, how to or read. what I saw. I don't know how to read these results, really. I mean, Golfan, yeah, he beaten it all, I so mean, that's probably positive. Open, that but... could definitely happen. He could win it five years in a row. Expelliarmus! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I feel like I got a lot less usable information and data from, and not from ATP Cup. Andre Rublev, by the way, won Doha, so maybe he's trending upwards, but... The rest of them I just don't know. So, yeah, we'll no, see. I don't. Yeah, fair. I mean, ATP ATP Cup. Yeah, I guess you're right. Nick uh, acquitted himself well. I mean, I mean, a bunch of players played well. I mean, Medvedev played well. Hashinov played Demonar well. Demonar well. played well. Obviously, Rafa. Obviously, Novak. Um, you know, a lot, a ton of players like Lajovic was very impressive. Um, Goffin, but um, but yeah, like most of them kind of were like what. Even if I didn't see them play, like I would. Like, my power rankings for the Australian Open wouldn't have shifted, really, we- except for Nick. Weirdly, the ones who I think left the bigger impression. I think Medvedev played... I don't know if you mentioned Medvedev. Medvedev did, played, yeah. yeah, Medvedev played well, too. Weirdly, because of the round-robin format, let men that you could lose multiple times, which is unusual. Like, weirdly, like, I have more negative, like, more meaningful negative notes for some players. Zverev, Felix Ojeali-Asim had a bad week on tour, lost three times pretty... Shapo was pretty good. Likely. Shapo was good. Shapo had a good week. Shapo, Shapo had a good goes week positive column yeah but felix was the one i just like i don't know what's going on with him right now i'm not i'm unconvinced at the moment yeah about um, his short term prospects it's, it's that was the thing that i was wondering very like especially for once vera was kind of <laughs> losing repeatedly was um uh, because the narrative has been that i keep hearing especially because i come home and then i'll turn on atp cup so i'll see like the perth stuff and maybe a little bit of sydney um and the narrative that i keep hearing from the commentators oh, is perfect preparation for melbourne like blah, blah blah and i just don't i mean the jury's out i just don't i mean i'm not sure about that because who goes into melbourne with three losses on the year already yeah right like when has roth ever gone into melbourne with two losses under his belt like 
like a regular tournament, yeah, you'll take a loss, but you can't lose more than once in a week. Yeah. And you can still get four or five wins, right? But like ATP Cup sets up a situation where you could get maybe three wins. No, that got the maximum six wins. Yeah. So you can like maybe get three wins, but you could also take two losses. And I don't know, and, and obviously with all of the, as you said, like once you're in that pressure cooker, you you rise the occasion, all the energy that um, that it takes, the travel obviously for Team Spain from Perth was not ideal um, either. And Russia, yeah. And Russia, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, 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 it's a little bit of wait and see. I mean, that was a lot of very intense tennis those boys played. Yeah. Um, I'm tired just thinking about it. It was, it was... It was a lot of men's tennis. The other, the it other, just was because it was, it was like it was like five hour blocks of it. It was as someone, all the time. As someone said, and we didn't we don't need to get into the Brisbane specific issues about the ATP WTA sharing space unequitably this week, but it was ATP Cup kind of man spread. It was always everywhere. It was it ben took up said, it took up a lot of space. Ben said sharing, and I maybe did air quotes when yeah. he did that. So sharing. doesn't work on podcasts. Not when quite. I do air quotes. <laughs> um, the other person who won six matches, I believe this week is batista agut but batista agut um <laughs> played like four of his matches against sub top 100 players and his one good win was one great win was against kyrios mm-hmm. not really i thought that'd be a good matchup for him so i thought kyrios should have played against it all and then and then he beat livish in the final um but yeah what does it do for him getting like four matches against sub top 100 players does he want that does he appreciate that especially because the ranking points are tiered yeah, right so, so he got 85 like points for four wins at no ATP tournament can you win four rounds and get only eighty five points. He only got eighty five points for those four wins. Yeah, and then he got oh, up, and then he got picked up more Nick. for beating Nick yeah, yeah. and, and Lajovic. Yeah, but through four ma- through four wins, he was at eighty five because they're all like that's how you get for winning beating a sub top hundred player round robin. You get twenty points each, and then beating them in a quarterfinal, you get twenty five. Twenty points. I have okay. I'm, I'm not talking. There's about a whole chart. There's a whole actuary sure table enough. of, of yeah. points. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, like the counter to that is Shapovalov won two matches at ATP Cup out of his four matches, but his two wins were against top mm-hmm. 10 guys, so he got 150 points. Yeah. So he got almost twice as many points. And Deminer, uh, also per, because Zverev... Deminer beats Zverev and Chapo and um, who was this other person's group? And Sitsipas? No, Sitsi played Nick. Right, okay, yeah. So then he played, he won two group matches and then he won a round robin match against... Uh, oh, he, no, he lost to... Uh, Dan Evans. Uh, oh yes. my gosh, that Jamie Murray miss, by the way. Oh man. I mean, that match I mean that miss haunts me. And I've got no skin in that game whatsoever. But that has to be one of the worst match point like misses that I've seen. Yeah. Cause it was on top of the net. I don't even know how you miss how you should how you um You had everywhere to aim. Hit that ball long. Just like Match indecision. point decision. I mean, because he, he was slow too. He just had too much time to think. Yeah. I mean that that I mean yeah. that that match that that was like my highlight for sure. That was nutty of the whole thing. Yeah. The Australia GB uh, doubles tie was dope. It was it was really good. But yeah, Jamie Murray, he had a ball right on top of the net on match point, and he sh- and he hit it. I don't. I really don't understand the physics of how that happened. I don't. I don't know. Uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank sure. you very much for talking to me late on this. Sunday yeah. evening, Courtney, and we're going to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> Any other, uh, follow along with NCR at NCR underscore tennis on Twitter. Send us emails, no challenges remaining at gmail.com is our email. Follow along with us, uh, subscribe to us on your podcaster catcher of choice. 
you know, Spotify, we're on there now. Stitcher, I use Overcast, Apple Podcast, Podcast app, whatever else. Other ways, probably, I think you can ask like, Alexa to play us and she'll understand that, which is nice if you want to do that. She's a friend of the pod. <laughs> friend of the pod, Alexa, Amazon. Um, is that her last name? I, I assume so. Echo. Uh, Echo. Oh, Alexa Echo. Yeah, so I, I, use, I use Echo because I, I have an Amazon Echo. Okay. But like I said it so that you can choose either call it as the trigger word to be Alexa or Echo. <laughs> And I say echo. Not both? It'll only respond to one? Yeah. Oh. But like, well, maybe it'll respond to both, but like, yeah, I just feel weird. Like, um, if you have someone like in your household named Alexa, yeah. Gadget. <laughs> like, yeah. like, no, you're echo. You're a gadget. <laughs> like, I like, there was one in, I watched us on the flight to Australia. There was one named Ophelia was the assistant in the movie. <laughs> hey, Ophelia. <laughs> That's so weird. Um, yeah. So thank you guys for listening to us. Any other rants, rage recommendations, thoughts from the first week of the calendar? Thoughts from the first week. It felt like a long week, especially for me, because I've been here since the beginning of the ATP Cup. So I've been here for a long time. Yeah, you've been here for a while. No, I I thought it was a good, I thought it was a great week. I mean, the tennis, like I said, like I was just really impressed by the tennis um, the first week. Oh, one thing that was really impressive in Brisbane, aces. Like the girls were raining down aces. Um, Like I think Naomi and and Carolina set like the top two records for most aces in in Brisbane in the tournament. Naomi cracked like fifty four, like she and they're semi sixteen each. Yeah, sixteen each, and um, yeah, which I was like, I was very very impressed by. Kiki Burton's, I think, also looked really good mm-hmm. um, in her singles, um, and seems really relaxed, which is quite nice. But no, I mean, happy marriage, but like yeah. happy wedding to her. Happy wedding to you, Mrs. Mrs. Well, I can't remember what's Remco's last name. Anyways, whatever. Uh, Mrs. Burton's. Madame Burton's, as it will be in, in Roland Garros when she wins the title this year. Um, mm. because... Oh, they stopped doing that, though. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Kiki's fine with it. Um, <laughs> the doubles final was fun. That was really good. Um, oh, yeah. Shay and Schutzeva. Yeah. NCR bump for Barbara Schutzeva. Hell of an NCR bump. That was, she was a lot of fun. Form an orderly queue, people who want to win Melbourne. Just saying. Just saying. You know where to find us they do they really do know where to find us barbara was great if you haven't listened to barbara on the show yet go listen to barbara because she was a lot of fun um and portrait lady on fire was good i enjoyed it yeah yeah it's like yeah it was it was good yeah so that's that's enough that's that's brisbane yep. in a nutshell that's had some much... korean food delish they were good korean food tonight yeah, that was really good. good we crushed a, an absurd amount of korean food uh that was fun but yeah good to see you again ben good to see you too courtney and glad to get back on the ncr horse here and we will see you guys. Uh, we're going to go to Adelaide. Probably won't record from there, I don't think. And then we'll be in Melbourne for a draw show probably next time you hear us. So draws come out Thursday evening here, and we will talk to you shortly after that. Bye, guys. Oh, she got-